There's this image entrepreneurs like to share on social media. It's a picture of an iceberg. Above the surface is the word success. Below the surface are words a bit murkier, words like stress, failure, persistence, sacrifice, hard work, and disappointment. There are plenty of podcasts that you could find that talk about success, but very few like to talk about what's beneath the surface. That's what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to talk about the hard stuff. First up is my dear friend, Christina Locke. We are in a small business group together with seven other people where we meet monthly and share the ups and downs of our businesses and our lives. She's one of my closest business confidants. Christina is CEO of Catch Talent in Charleston, delivering technical recruiting services to technology, creative, and government contracting companies. She's a real powerhouse as a female entrepreneur. I think you'll learn a lot from her on what it takes to win in business. So uh, did you guys have a good Halloween? What'd y'all do? We did. Yes. Yeah. So it's like a national holiday where we live in our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, kids dressed up. My youngest lasted in his costume for about five minutes because it was hot and humid here in Charleston. So we just did a backup plan and he was Spider-Man for the second year in a row. Got to get that kid to commit, man. I, I committed and went with, uh, I kept my Captain Hook costume all night long. It was yeah, hot. I was dying. I was dying. I bet. Yeah. You guys definitely committed to that. That's the problem. I was telling people last night that, you know, aren't from here. Cause I don't think anybody is actually from Charleston anymore, but like growing up, it was always like this. And we were just always sweating through our costumes. We can never wear like elaborate costume because it was always too damn hot. Yeah. Every year it surprises me. I don't know why it's like, it's nice and cool the week before and then Halloween hits and it's 85 and humid. So yeah, like last week it was nice and cool and all of a sudden the heat comes. Uh, how old are your boys? Uh, so my oldest Connor's 10 and Carson is five. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, you know, what's reason I want to talk to you is being a dad in business, like it's hard. Like, you know, I've got three little boys now and obviously my wife's a saint and trying to do like all the things is crushing me, like trying to, especially because, you know, we're a week from the election today, so it's my busy yeah. time. But like last night, you know, trying to do Halloween and the text is blowing up and my phone's blowing up. And here I am with like my Captain Hook hair all over my face, trying to also take a phone call. And it's hard for me as a dad. Like, I don't see how women could do it. I mean, like we like to pretend like about, you know, we like to pretend everybody's equal and we like to play this equality game. But the truth is, like, it's not equal. Like, dads don't have it as hard as moms have it. It's just that simple. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm glad that you're self aware of that. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's just take like the whole birthing part out. Like, you know, mm -hmm. both of us are big fitness people. Like, I don't have to go through those physical changes in my body for me to yeah. have these three little boys. And then, the actual giving birth and then the recovery oh. and then all of that, you're still trying to run a business. And then here you are with like a newborn and then all the different phases and then a toddler and then, you know, little annoying kids like my eight year old, I'm sure your 10 year old, they're going through their little annoying phases. Mm -hmm. And there's just so much more on the mom than there is the dad. Like, how do you even manage that? Yeah. You know, it's funny because actually tomorrow will be our seventh anniversary here at catch. And I was 
reflecting back on the past seven years. And when I launched Catch, I had one child, you know, it was, and, and when you go from one to two, that's probably the biggest jump. Honestly, it was, it was the most stressful time in my life. Like I was building Catch. I think we were about 18 months into building our company and, you know, found out I was pregnant had Carson and I was only able to take four weeks off. And you you think about the journey of pregnancy and it's nine months and then you have this baby and you think, oh, you're going to have like an easy recovery. (laughs) And I I think looking back, I mean, that was, and I think that's when actually I met you, Wes. I mean, that was probably the most stressed I've ever been in my life, right? Like hands down, I probably had postpartum without realizing it because I was just too busy to truly identify, you know, like mentally what I I needed at that time. And and for me, it was always forging through, like you just forge through, you keep your family first, you're focused on your business, but there's a real systemic problem, I think in, in our society here in the U S and, you know, I've done a lot of presentations on this, that we're the only developed country that doesn't have government paid maternity leave. Right. And that's, it's such a huge issue, especially for businesses. Like how do they keep their working moms and working parents happy and healthy and, and, you know, mentally on track. And that's, that's, it's going to be and continue to bubble up to be a huge issue. Yeah. But I guess that could be a solution for like an employee, right? But how do you crack that nut for you, right? You still have to run the business. Government can't, you know, they can pay you to stay home and help you with the financial side, but you still got a business that you have to run. Like government oh, yeah. can't find a, another Christina <laughs> to step in there for eight weeks. No, no. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I look at it as, you know, sort of my platform to help other moms through that journey. But for me personally, yeah, that was just what I had to do in the moment. And I think looking back, you know, definitely wasn't fully giving hundred percent in any part of my life. Right. Like I wasn't hundred percent being a new mom. I wasn't hundred percent being a CEO. Um, you know, definitely felt a lot of failure during that time. You know, like I was just failing. Everyone had a baby with colic. So on top of having a new oh. baby, it was like, you know, all, all the things. And now I feel like our family is, is coming out of that, you know, like we're in a really good place now, but you know, just like the image. And I love the image that you showed for this podcast is so true. Like everyone sees us as this functioning (laughs) family, not realizing, you know, all the years of really hard work and sacrifice and, you know, everything we had to do to get to that point. I mean, how do you think it had to keep harping on like the, the childbirth thing? We'll move on in a second, but how do you think you handled it? Was it just sheer grit, just pushing through, just working around the clock, trying to hold a baby with one arm and being laid up for a few days and then having a computer in the other arm? I mean, was it just working through it and putting your head down and doing the work? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always pointed to hard work. Like I think my father really taught me that was like hard work will, uh, you know, sort of outwin everything, right? Like you can get through anything with, with just grit and hard work. And, and I think that's just what it came down to. I have a really, really great support system too, right? Like if I didn't have Justin as a husband, you know, he definitely supports me in all the ways as a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur, right? Like whatever kind of crazy idea (laughs) that I come up with, even having a second child, he's like, let's do it. Right. Like I'm here for you. And, and we definitely are 50, 50, like everything we do, if anything, he probably takes on a lot more of 
the parenting. And I think that's just naturally sort of how it falls when you have a business owner and, you know, a, a supportive spouse. That's awesome. So what made you want to do this crazy journey of being an entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, I think it's always like, if you look back and, you know, we've done a lot of sort of exercises through our our forum groups is, you know, I always wanted to, I think I've always challenged the status quo, right. And, and not been comfortable with just kind of following along with what kind of normal is. And, and for a lot of people like the corporate life, and I did that is, is definitely where they want to stay. I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, you get to make your own rules. And I've always been, you know, a bit of like towing that line of Mm -hmm. not, not breaking the rules, but how do we push the boundaries? And I grew up in a house where both my parents own their own businesses. So I, I do think that it's nature and nurture, right? Like I was nurtured around other business owners and other entrepreneurs. And I got to see that firsthand. So I think in some part of my sort of psyche or in my mind, it was like, there is no other option but to to start a business. Yeah, I, I had no dreams of becoming an entrepreneur. I fell into it by accident, simply by, like you said, not wanting to play by the rules. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to follow anybody else's rules. And I'm not a good follower in that way at all. And I stumbled into it and had to create my own company because I just didn't like the way anybody else was doing things, whether that was political or tech or just the way they were living their lives. I was like, I don't want to play by your rules. I'm just going to make up my own rules and and figure it out as I go. Um, and, And I think it's like figuring it out as you go is kind of the entrepreneur journey, right? Like everybody sees us building businesses and you know, buying buildings and having all these employees and they see you talking at all these conferences of, you know, being the mompreneur and everything, but it's not all that glam. I mean, tell me a story about the suck. I mean, like, when has it been pretty rough for you? Yeah. I mean, there are, you know, some specific instances for me where I brought personal friends into the business, right? Like I'm talking like lifelong friends people yeah. that I would consider family. And and I think when you're starting a business, that makes natural sense. Of course, you're going to bring in people you know and friends because there's that kind of in, intrinsic trust. And, and I think for me, the suck has been, I've lost friends. I mean, just like not even on a talking basis where you really have to make a decision as a business owner that this is not personal anymore. This is professional and this is for the health and life of my business, which provides, you know, many other people (laughs) income and, you know, all the things that why we do what we do. And so that was, that was really hard. Honestly, that's probably been the hardest thing for me. And again, not to make this male, female, but as a female, like there's a lot of choice words that, you know, people Mm -hmm. would probably use that maybe they wouldn't use for a man. Like, oh, he's, you know, um, really steadfast in what he does and he makes decisions quickly. <laughs> and and I think for, for me, it, it kind of puts me in a different light, like cold hearted. Yeah. Or you're just a bitch. Just a bitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, I get it. We're assholes. You're bitches, you know, right. and I went through a very similar situation as you know, and I think a lot of us make that mistake as entrepreneurs, we want to build this, this little family and whether right. we hire our best friends, or whether 
those first employees become our best friends. You develop these personal relationships and the lines get super, super blurry. And I definitely think of all the mistakes I've made in business. That was one of my top 10 uh, because I lost uh, one of my best friends and a college roommate. And I haven't been able to talk to him in a couple of years now. Actually, I think three years now, uh, last week when we were at our forum retreat was like the third year anniversary and tried my best to uh, make amends after the business relationship fell apart. And to this day, we still haven't talked. And, you know, I look back at, you know, these Facebook reminders or pop up or these Instagram reminders, a pop up or I'm old enough to actually have photo albums. And this person was such a large part of my life for almost two decades and now right. that person's not part of my life at all. And it, it breaks my heart all because of business. And it's it's some advice I always try to give budding entrepreneurs is don't blur those lines or you will lose lifelong relationships that you want to keep. And this is a person I thought would be a best friend until I was a senior. Right. Yeah, it's it's so true. And and I'm sure we're not the only ones that have faced that, you know, it it does become personal. Business is personal, right? And and what you do every day, like the decisions you make. But you know, you I feel like if you're trying to just create, like you said, a club with all your friends, mm-hmm. that's not a successful business. And and that's where it gets, you know, you sort of grow as a leader as well. You have to realize that. And and that for me was definitely the the hardest thing that I've had to go through, at least at catch. Yeah. Um, you know, to your point, everybody likes to talk about this work-life balance. And when you're an entrepreneur, that just doesn't exist. It, it's a theory that can't happen. And, you know, again, you said keeping what keeps you up at night. Like last night, you know, two o'clock in the morning, I look at my cell phone, it's 2 a.m. And I was up thinking about money. You know, we're we're having a down year. It's not devastating or anything, but we're having a down year. And I'm having to make some choices and I'm up at two o'clock in the morning, just staring at the ceiling, thinking about it. That's not something that most people have to worry about. They can go to work at nine, clock out at five, and they don't have to think about work again until the next morning where our lives are so intertwined and it's not just what we do, it's who we are. And there's no way to not be staring at the ceiling at 2 a.m. I mean, is that what, is that what you find too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely not, I don't think I've slept through the night. I don't know, probably in 10 years since I had a baby, (laughs) uh, my first, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things and, you know, I'm one of those people that like, I'll recount um, things that happen during the day, like over and over, right. Should I said this differently? Should I have maybe approached this client in a different manner? Should I have made that financial decision and, and that will keep me up at night. It's a, it's one of those things where I do learn from it. And, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people, I'm naturally an introvert. And so I think through a lot of my problems. And I think that's also in the middle of the night when your brain is silent, that you are replaying, you know, these different circumstances. Whereas like my father is an extrovert and he will talk out like every business problem that he has, but that's a, that's a real sort of, um, sort of chasm, I think too, of being an introvert is that you have to think through, you have to have these like quiet moments. And so for us, naturally that's in the middle of the night. And yeah, I mean, 
I think even if business is great, I'm like, what could I be doing more of, you know, or, and if it's not business, it's what could I be doing more of with my kids? Yeah. I wonder if that's just an introvert thing. Cause you were one of the people that are closest to me in my business life. And you know, that, uh, although I play an extrovert on the internet, I am an, actually an introvert. I'm the guy that's like sitting in the corner at events yeah. and, um, that I do the same thing. I'm staring up at the ceiling and wondering, what did I do to make this guy not return my call mm-hmm. or for this guy not to accept my business proposal? And you take it really personal. I think I do of why don't they like me? It's it's never like a it's never like a business thing. It's always like, what did I do to offend them? Why don't they like me enough to respond to my email? Totally. Yeah, everything. I mean, I don't know where, what that is. You know, in us, if we just care a lot, you know, I'm in, I'm in a services business. You're not buying one of my products. You're buying my brand and me as the CEO. And so when I get rejected, I do take it personally. Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard thing because nobody teaches an entrepreneur how to accept rejection. No. Right. And it's such a massive part of this game and it really fucks with your head hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for an entrepreneur, you have to have confidence in yourself and in what you're selling. And really, you need to be egotistical to a large degree to be successful, I think. But that rejection just like chips away at the confidence until you're just kind of beat down in a corner. And for me, I kind of have to discipline. Like you'll see like on my, you'll know when I'm going through this. Because you'll see it on my social media. I'll disappear for like a week and mm-hmm. I won't say anything. Like no Instagram posts, no tweets, no Facebook posts. And the reason that is, is because I've lost confidence to even say anything. And I'm and I'm in my own corner rebuilding that confidence because something has kind of slapped me down. And I don't know how you teach people how to deal with rejection except to just keep putting them through rejection. That's, that's it. You can't teach that. Like, unless your ego is like so large, you can't fit in the door. Right. Like, and, and that comes with other problems too. Like I actually appreciate the fact that I give a shit, right. Because, and I think that's what makes us successful in what we do in the people business in hiring and recruiting. It's easy to not give a shit about a human being. Right. And our Mm -hmm. relationship building is the strongest piece of fabric that has made us so successful to where we are today. And our clients and our candidates realize that. So I would never change the fact that every single person here actually cares about what we do because it, it truly matters. I mean, it's someone's job yeah. and, you know, they're providing income for their own family, but, you know, in the same sense, it's like, when, when do you care too much, you know? And, and yeah. that's been a battle for me my entire career. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the fact that we take it personal shows that we care. Like if you don't take it personally, then maybe you just don't have enough skin in the game and you don't give a shit enough about what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. We just okay. we care too much. You know, what's your weakness? I care. I care too much. <laughs> Great interview answer. <laughs> right. Right. Um, what what's your biggest sacrifice that you've had to make doing this? I mean, no question is the time with my kids, right? Like I definitely can't be like a PTA mom. I I just don't have the bandwidth. I have certainly missed, you know, major life events that they've had. But my hope is 
you know, that they realize why I made that sacrifice, you know, the sacrifice of the time building this company to build, you know, give them a great education and a great life. And, you know, my parents did that for me. And I I feel like hopefully they'll continue to do that for, you know, the next generation or they'll support the wife that they, um, you know, that ends up being the um, breadwinner or, you know, entrepreneur or whatever that may be. They might be attracted to like strong CEO women. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, who, who knows what that'll look like. I think that'll transform as they continue to grow. But for sure, that's been my biggest sacrifice. You know, I think there are many moments in your life and career where you can say there's a fork in the road. I absolutely could have done a, you know, like a work from home job when I had my first son, but I made the strategic and um, diligent decision to move back to Charleston and work for Spark. And, and that was one of those situations that even Justin, you know, my husband left his career in Atlanta. And and we just kind of blind faith came back, you know, took the uh, chance on this small little company spark that ended up being a complete life changer for us. And so that's also, I think all those things where people are like, you're so lucky that you worked for spark and you were there in the early days. I'm like, you have no idea. Like the, the amount of times that we almost had to like shut down, you know, during the six years at Spark, where it was just like, we almost laid off the whole company at one point. So, you know, all that to say is, there's a lot that goes into those journeys, just as uh, there is with this one. Yeah, same. It, it's all about the kids. And um, I, I just stress about it all the time. I mean, all the time about what am I missing or what am I doing wrong? Um, but yeah, I'm trying to drag them along as much as possible. Actually, Elizabeth had a hair appointment this morning. So they were here and the kids are out of school today for some weird reason. I don't know. Um, but they were just up here until about 30 minutes ago and it's one o'clock, one thirty now. So they just left. And I, I enjoy bringing them to work and letting them see what I do because it's just, they at least get to see like why dad is like missing the thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks. Um, you know, lastly, tell me, because you, your industry, because you're helping folks find staff, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the economy because you can, you can firsthand see how people are hiring. Like, do Definitely. you have any thoughts going into what we see as an upcoming recession? Any, any thoughts in, you know, in closing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as long as I've been in hiring and staffing, hiring is always one of those lagging or leading indicators of the economy. And, you know, been through that with 08, 09, and, you know, that, that recession. Um, what we're seeing, honestly, is that what's happening on Wall Street, these big layoffs and hiring freezes is not affecting Main Street. We have, and and I read that in one of the articles, I was like, that's so true, right? Like our large Fortune 500, Fortune 10 clients have put a pause, but every other small, medium-sized business that we have continued to work with is they're not slowing down. Their business isn't slowing down. And so for us, we have good diversification enough that we're continuing to stay really busy and just as busy. Like, have we grown this year? Not as much as I had hoped or had year over year, but we're maintaining and I can just be grateful for that. 
Awesome. Awesome. All right, Christina, you know how much I love you and I appreciate you coming on. Yes.